Welcome to another episode of Dr. Doctor, the award-winning radio show and podcast featuring your physician host, Dr. Tom McGovern. And Dr. Andrew Mullally, where we and our guests discuss relevant and health-related topics from an authentically Catholic perspective. Dr. Doctor is brought to you in part by the generous underwriting of CMF Curo. Learn more at mycatholichealthcare.org. Live your Catholic faith in your healthcare with CMF Curo. Today, our guest will be heard across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Joining us will be Dr. Bob Schutz, counselor, speaker, and author. We'll talk about what true healing is, both physically, spiritually, and uh, corporately uh, as, as human persons, uh, based on his book, Be Healed, Encountering the Powerful Love of Jesus in Your Life. Andrew, why are we covering this topic? Well, it's an it's a different angle that we don't normally attack from. I'd say that. Uh, I think people a lot of times talk about spiritual healing in a way that's a little bit hooky, but there is a real charism of healing, a spiritual charism that I learned, to be honest, not too long ago about. I went to one of these called and gifted workshops. I don't know if you've heard of those, Tom, but yeah, you, you I, I help bring of, it to our parish too. You, you learn about the different charisms coming from the Holy Spirit, and you kind of do an inventory to see where you may be called to share. And uh, interestingly and disappointedly, uh, I did not have the <laughs> gift of healing. Uh, it's kind of uh, it's kind of sad when you've gone to school for so long. You're gee whiz, am I, is this hopeless for me? I don't know. And so my my big interest here is to see how is the spiritual gift of healing similar and different to what we've spent so long studying for in school. I think that there's many things we can do in allopathic medicine that are very good in their own right, but that's not the spiritual gift of healing. And one of the things that I'm really interested in hearing about from Dr. Bob is the way that we need to bring the spiritual aspect in it, especially for cases that don't respond to regular medical care. Yes, there are almost certainly things that we are missing in our limited human uh, capabilities. Now, I'd like to refer listeners to um, Dr. Doctor episode number 200. That was on the health benefits of religious practice with our friend, Dr. Paul Carson. You know, today's episode will take a personal look uh, at how religion, spiritual life, and healing are connected, whereas that episode 200 took a population-based approach what we can learn from public health experts is to how religious practice influences overall health outcomes. Bob is going to help us do that on the personal level. And, and I've read through his book and he had an amazing conversion. He has some really raw stuff about his own story in there. Uh, I think this is going to be good. And it, it, like Andrew said, is uncharted territory for us here on Dr. Doctor. Well, and I'm I'm really interested in learning how to bring this into my practice potentially because it's frequent, I would say, that I see people who are, are getting this wrong maybe. They either have a medical problem that I can fix and I tell them I can fix it, but they ascribe a spiritual nature to that problem and they refuse medical care. It's their prerogative. That's okay, but uh, bad decision. There's other people who keep looking for another pill or another something when it's super obvious they've got a spiritual problem. Usually they're people not necessarily of faith and you try and broach that topic in a way they understand, it's hard to do. And I'm excited to learn some tips. Yeah. One of my favorite uh, ways to talk about the Catholic Church is that it's a both and church, not an either or church. It's not either scripture or tradition. Christ is not either God or man. It's both and. So with healing, I think we're getting into a, a pretty profound both and. It's both physical and spiritual. Um, and, you know, if the you know, soul is separate from it, I'm, I'm going to be interested to hear how Bob distinguishes soul from spiritual or if it's, if it's part of the same thing. Um, this reminds me, one of the things I do for the Catholic Medical Association is oversee the outreach to the medical students, physicians in training. And on a recent call, one of the medical students said to him, the Catholic Medical Association is where Orthodox Catholicism meets evidence-based medicine. Well, that's what I'm looking forward to doing here with Bob, because reading through his story, it seemed like he was a pretty uh, solid, you know, evidence-based guy in medicine and had a profound experience in his life that showed him uh, a much broader picture to what he knew about healing. Well, and one of the things that he he really hammers home in in what I can understand from his message is that Jesus is the source of all healing. 
which yes. totally brings everything together, both the spiritual aspect and everything we also have learned and know from traditional medicine. All of these things are gifts that come from God. How can we bring them both together in the way that's best going to help our patients? In his book, one of his quotes uh, is actually from the Catechism, number 1264, and it says, quote, Yet certain temporal consequences of sin remain in the baptized, such as suffering, illness, death, and such frailties inherent in life as weakness in character and so on. So in other words, one of the goodies in that bag we get because of our state of original sin is some of our physical problems. So I can't wait to hear how we we put this together. Uh, maybe one reason we haven't attacked it is because we haven't known how to attack this topic. Yeah, I think it's something that you have to handle delicately. Obviously, Tom, you operate on facial skin cancer all the time. I think uh, most people would say that they needed sunscreen and it's not as a result of sin. Um, but there is an overlap between um, spiritual sin and spiritual life and spiritual health as well as the physical health. I think it comes together very closely in the psychological realm, but they are totally different and separate. And that's one of the things that Bob's going to help us parse out today. Yes. So, and before we get to Dr. Bob Schutz, we have our medical trivia question of the day. Today's category is really old medical schools. So the healing arts have been taught continuously since 1179 at one Italian university founded in 1088. And the reason for this topic is we're talking about the convergence of uh, healing arts, whether they're from a spiritual charism or whether they're from hard uh, effort and study. So famous alumni of this Italian school include Copernicus, St. Thomas of Becket, and Pope Innocent III, the one who sanctioned both the Franciscan and Dominican orders in the early 13th century. So the question is, what university is this? What is perhaps the longest continuously functioning medical school in the world since 1179 at a town in Italy? You'll have to wait till the end of the show to get the answer. But after the break, we'll be back with Dr. Bob Schutz and the relationship between spiritual and physical healing. Welcome to our guest today, Dr. Bob Schutz, who's going to talk about the relationship between physical healing, spiritual healing, and what true healing really is. He's the author of Be Healed, a guide to encountering the powerful love of Jesus in your life through Ave Maria Press at Notre Dame, Indiana. Uh, Bob has a PhD. He is a founder of the John Paul II Healing Center, where he and his team provide healing and equipping conferences for clergy, religious, and lay people. Uh, he's the author of multiple other books, and you can find his books, podcasts, talks uh, at his website, www.jp2healingcenter.org. And the two is two letter I's, like a Roman number, Roman numeral two, J-P-I-I, healingcenter.org. He and his co-host, Jake Kim, have a podcast entitled Restore the Glory at www.restoretheglorypodcast.com. He was married to Margie for 42 years before she passed away in 2017. He has two grown daughters who are married, serving the ministry at his healing center. He has 10 grandchildren, and his PhD was in family relations at Florida State University. Bob, welcome to Dr. Doctor. Thank you, Tom and Andrew. Good to be with you guys. Hey, Bob, in reading through your book, I think one of your favorite quotes uh, was from Pope Benedict's uh, book, Jesus of Nazareth. And it's this one. Whoever wishes to heal man must see him in his wholeness and must know that his ultimate healing can only be God's love. So what does this quote mean to you and your work with patients? Yeah, that, that's an interesting quote for a medical doctor, isn't it? When we don't think of yes. that in terms of this. So I'll, I'll share with you in my own work and i see if we can make an application for your work. I, I love that from Pope Benedict XVI. And, and he was studying Jesus's healing ministry when he made that statement. He was going through the whole Gospels and studying Jesus and the Apostles' healing ministry. And he said those are the two distinctive features that were present in every healing. You know, we think about faith in the healings of Jesus. But he said what was present before faith was love, was God's love, uh, that, that Jesus and the disciples uh, exhibited God's love. And they brought God's love in a very personal way to the areas where people were suffering. But the other thing that he said in that is that Jesus 
as, as God the Father, sees people beyond their symptoms, beyond their brokenness. He sees people in their wholeness. And I think that's one of the things, in fact, my, my daughter just came back from a doctor today and she was, she had a broken wrist and uh, she has swelling now. And she said, you know, it was just, they were really nice, but they were treating just my broken wrist. They, it was like they didn't relate to me as a person. And so I didn't, I felt more like an object than a person. And, and so I think in application for all of us in the healing profession, what heals is love. And I think that's startling, both from a psychological and a, and a medical place to say that love heals. But if you think about even the natural healing of the body, it's God's design for the body. And when the body is living according to the way that it's meant to be, there's healing. But I think the, the key for all of us is to be able to see people in wholeness, uh, the way that God sees. You know, we, we have vision to be able to see people beyond their symptoms, beyond whether it's psychological brokenness or physical ailments, to be able to see them in wholeness. And that's beautiful. You know, on, on the very next page of your book, you write that science by its very nature analyzes and dissects everything into parts. And from that framework, we're told that people have a certain symptom, like you had mentioned with your daughter and, and her arm, and this particular thing is not working properly. Uh, on different episodes of our, our show here, we've covered with Dr. Kevin Majors the different functions of the left and right hemispheres of the brain and how the left is supposed to see the world in parts, but it's supposed to serve the right hemisphere, which shows the big picture. How has this tendency to see the world and even our patients sometimes as isolated symptoms hurt the healing arts? Yeah, again, in that same example is, is we tend to then, whenever we look at parts, let's even say it in a in, in a sense of sexuality, when we ever look at a person in terms of their body parts, it's called lust. But when we see the whole person and we love the whole person, it's called love. And, you know, there is a way in which we can become, uh, in any kind of healing profession, very symptom-oriented and very analytical and diagnose a problem, but it leaves relationship out. It leaves love out. It leaves what the real healing factor is in the situation. You know, we, we talk about bedside manner for a doctor, right? Or, or the counselor's rapport. And we, of, we often put that on the side as, well, that's a nice extra. When <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe it's the most important thing is how, how the doctor as a person treats the patient as a person and then treats the symptoms, not only as symptoms, but can also see deeper to what the causes may be of that symptoms, symptom is. So I, I'm, I'm now reading a book by a doctor, Dr. Don Colbert, uh, that one of my doctor friends gave me. It's called Deadly Emotions, and he's talking about what we feel is what our bodies communicate. Uh, and the catechism talks about this unity between body and soul, that you can't tell where the soul ends and the body begins. And that's really a Catholic perspective. The word Catholic means according to the whole. A Catholic perspective sees everything in its wholeness. And, you know, as John Paul II says, faith and science, faith and truth together, not one or the other. You know, we certainly need the science, but we need it in the context of faith. Right. We talked about that in our intro, how the Catholic Church is a both-and church, not an either-or church. And so yeah. thank you for augmenting that. Yes, faith <laughs> and science. Uh, and in fact, you know, th this uh, segues in, in page 75 of your book, you mentioned that most of us approach our own healing as if we were secular atheists, just the science part without the faith part. What are some examples of how we do this with ourselves? Yeah, I, I think whenever we just treat symptoms, you know, none of us want to hurt whether it's physical hurt or emotional hurt, none of us want to hurt. And so we tend to do whatever we can to get rid of the hurt. And when we do that, it's not a bad thing because, you know, pain's a signal that something's trouble, but we're, we're often just treating the symptoms and there can be a deeper cause. And what happens so often, like in the area of medicine, where the, where the treatment of the symptoms causes other symptoms, you know, they're called side effects, yes. right? But what, what's really going on there is that there's a cause that's not being met. And as we treat the symptoms, the cause comes and expresses itself in a different way, or even the treatment 
creates a different problem in a different way. And so, you know, just in a very practical way, being able to see the symptoms coming from somewhere, you know, the, the analogy that, that people have used, it's kind of a funny analogy, but if you, if you went into the uh, bathroom and your sink was overflowing and you grabbed a mop and you started mopping up and you didn't turn <laughs> off the faucet, you'd be there for a long time, right? And there'd yes. be a lot of damage. It might be helping a little bit. But so oftentimes as a therapist, back when I was practicing therapy or, or as doctors, that's what we do is we try to take care of the evidence of the problem rather than the source of the problem. I was just thinking, you know, one one of the quotes that stuck out to me was you said that the primary root of our suffering and sickness is separation from God, resulting in the fragmentation of our bodies and souls. How should we think about this? Is How can we relate this to our current conditions? Is it only for psychosomatic type illnesses or how does this relate to, uh, we, I use the example in the opening quarter, Tom operates on skin cancer. How is that related as well to the separation? Well, let me get to skin cancer in a minute, and he may be able to answer that better than me. But uh, <laughs> just just at the, at the core level, if you think about before sin came into the world, there was no sickness, there was no suffering, there was no depression. At the end of time, book of Revelation tells us there'll be no more sickness or sin or sorrow or grief or pain. So what is that condition before sin and after sins eliminated, it's a, it's a place of perfect communion. And the catechism talks about this. The catechism talks about what happened at the fall was there's these rupture of five different areas. It's the rupture between body and soul. It's the rupture between uh, us and God. That's the first rupture. It's the rupture between us and each other. It's, it's the rupture of spirit and, and soul. And it's the rupture of us with our environment. And if you think about it, all illness comes from those five ruptures, whether they're psychological or emotional or physical. And eventually what the science is showing us is that what begins as an undealt with area of stressor of, of psychological, emotional, spiritual wound, a broken relationship, we see a high incidence of physical illnesses, heart attacks, deaths, cancers uh, that come after a long period of that undealt with spiritual and emotional or areas of sin, guilt, shame that somebody's lived with, and it manifests in our body immediately. And, you know, it's it's hard to, to see the connection immediately, but I think the science is building those bridges now uh, between what happens in the body, the inflammation that takes place when we're under a chronic sense of stress, uh, the ways in which our, our whole defense system breaks down. So maybe that's a lead-in to... Uh, skin cancer. Maybe it is. I mean, I, I'm trying to see, I mean, yes, it's important when I treat the whole person. I'm, I can, fortunately, my patients are all awake when I'm operating. So I get to talk to them, which is a, yeah. a blessing. So, and we always talk about things unrelated to skin cancer, which is, which is good. I have an opportunity to take an interest in them as a, as a person, but how could we say that the cancer, if at all, is part of you know, something that needs spiritual healing or, or, or is it, is it just apply to some areas of physical yeah, it, illness? We're dealing with mystery there. So we can't say, you know, like the person that came up to Jesus said, is a blind person whose sin was it his or his parents? Jesus said, neither. Uh, yes. But in other cases, you see that connection in scripture, right? Very good. Yeah. And, and so we can't make an assumption in any situation what we can do is we can be open to the Holy Spirit to show us the connection. So let's take skin cancer. It's Great. a lot of times, it's a lot of times it's the sun, it's the effect of being out in the sun, those kind of things, right? So that's that's the break between the person and nature, right? There's there's a way in which nature, rather than being nurturing, now it's harmful. One of those five well, ruptures. Yeah. So what makes that harmful is probably the breakdown of the person's immune system in some way. Right, there, there, there's a susceptibility. Why can two people be out in the sun the same amount of time and one gets skin cancer and the other doesn't? Well, it could be the complexion of the person, or it could be it is a break a breakdown of of some mechanisms of the body to fight against that cancer. I know that's often the case in other kinds of cancer. I, I've worked with many people who, when we pray for the roots 
of an area of cancer in their body, they'll they'll go right to that place where the emotional wound was, where the cancer developed. So I don't know what that looks like in skin cancer. And wow. I don't want to presume, presume that. Well, let's go to something that you are well-versed with. How did I, you become interested in spiritual healing in your own practice? And what changes did it make in the effectiveness of your practice? Yeah, yeah good question. I, I was trained, like most people, in psychological relation. Mine was family relations and family therapy. So I was trained in all of that, generational influences in the family. And I was mostly working off of my training as I was meeting with people, still praying for them outside of my sessions, but, you know, just seeing the whole person, but also coming from a, from my, my education. In the middle of that, I began to have struggles myself with areas of anxiety. I started having anxiety. The anxiety led me into therapy. The therapy led me into really seeking after God in a deeper way. Went on a spiritual retreat weekend, and I had a, an incredibly powerful experience of God's love. That's the only way I know how to describe it. It was it was powerful being with these group of men and sharing it, but there was something very directly that I experienced. And, and the scripture talks about it like rivers of living water flowing from your belly. I just had this sense of this overwhelming grace. You know, I had been baptized. I'd been confirmed. I'd been receiving communion, receiving the sacraments. But there was a moment where all of it became real in a way that I couldn't know it before experientially. That changed so much inside of me, uh, changed so much of my relationships. And I began to realize that I made more progress in that one 15-minute encounter than I had made in two years in counseling. And I started saying, this is what the people that I'm serving really need more than my counseling. My counseling was, I was doing the best I could, but there was something that shifted for me physically that also had impacts uh, I mean, emotionally and spiritually, that also had impacts physically. Uh, I, I experienced it as a whole experience. So from there, I began to send people to retreats that I was working with, and I was seeing these changes happen in them. And then I began to receive uh, books of people who were in my profession who were praying with people in the sessions, which I didn't think was possible. I didn't think it was even legal. Uh, and so as I'm reading that, uh, it's a long story, but over a number of years, God brought me in to encounter a group of other therapists who were learning the same things. And we began to compare notes and begin to hear the changes that were happening with the people that we were working with as we began to invite them to take the areas that they were dealing with and pray with them and allow God to meet them there. And it was really a noticeable change, a very significant change. Man, that's a beautiful story. You know, one one of the things as you're talking about healing, I guess maybe you could help us define healing and how our modern medical care meets and falls short of that definition. Yeah, that's good. And I don't know if I'll do it full justice, but here's my understanding is if brokenness is a sense of disintegration due to sin, right, going back to the fall, the original sin, and if the condition of all of us is those areas of brokenness, those areas of disintegration, then healing is reintegration. The he healing is bringing back into communion what sin has broken and divided. So what does that look like at a psychological and spiritual level? I can answer easier, but I think there's implications very much at a physical level. So what, what the goal is, is if somebody is having a broken relationship and that broken relationship is causing depression and anxiety and guilt and, and, and shame and all kinds of things. If I can heal, if God can heal, if I can invite people to bring that to God and bring those areas of suffering and communion to God and allow God to heal that person's heart, that can also then heal the relationship. I think this will be a conversation for later about how that applies in relationships. But uh, I've seen that happen over and over again where the healing of the individual heals a relationship and the healing of a relationship heals the individual. And we also see a lot of medical science of that. You know, that people get sick after broken relationships and people get well when relationships are healed. And, you know, the primary relationship is with God. And so if somebody's living, uh, I'll use an example that I've ran into 
a lot in my practice. Uh, let's say somebody had been sexually abused or somebody had had an abortion. The suffering in the soul is often very hidden, but it often would result in all kinds of physical manifestations, starting with depression, but there could be physical ailments in the body uh, that become kind of an invisible expression over the years of those kind of emotional wounds. And as I saw people healing, that is bringing, bringing those areas first out into the open and then allowing God's healing, whether it's through the sacraments or whether it's through prayer, whether it's through forgiveness, there's all kind of different aspects of that healing. As they would experience healing, I would see the, the emotional symptoms change and go away. And then I would see this change in the physical symptoms. Uh, and it's just totally remarkable. I, I, I think I wrote in the book about the one woman yes. who had a healing. And she had a broken relationship with her birth mother. And the birth mother actually cursed her at birth and said, you will never attach to anybody else th than me. And you would think that would have no effect on a baby, but this woman, literally, she was a mother of six to eight children, I forget how many, and her husband, and she had never attached to anybody. She loved them, but she didn't. She couldn't form an attachment. So it was during Holy Week, and we were working for the whole week during Holy Week. And at the end of that time, and she had fibromyalgia, which most recognize as a as a complicated uh, yes. psychosomatic ailment. But as soon as the Holy Spirit led us in this time together, after a lot of counseling, to a healing of that wound, and we, we literally broke the curse, and all of a sudden her heart was open to receive it. She began to, to sob deep sob of all the pain of the broken relationship with her birth mother. Immediately, she said she could feel attachment and love again. And at that moment, a woman that was with us, who was praying for her in the office, gets a text from her son who had this rare uh, yes. intestinal ailment. And the son, somehow, in that moment that that healing happened for the mother, this is total mystery to me, texted and said, I don't know what just happened, but I had a, I had a healing. I know I had a healing. And I just wanted to t reach my mom and tell her. And it was at the same moment that that had happened for her. It's wow. like the mystery of this generational communion and the brokenness of attachment, you know, which is, which is the, the, the loss of love, the loss of communion, the loss of connection. Uh, just totally blew me away. And I've seen that happen several times things like that and it just there's no explanation i have other than this is a mystery beyond us that's a profound positive note on which to take our break here on dr doctor we'll be more back with more on true healing in just a moment we're back with dr bob shoots and talking about true healing healing of the whole person bob as we were just talking off um off recording this topic includes a lot stories similar to those I've been hearing throughout the years, but they seem like they're stories that were meant for someone else. They seem like a whole nother level. I mean, I pray a decade of the rosary every day for my patients. I, I pray for each patient as I'm prepping to do each repair on them. Yet it sounds like you've got a hold of something, experiencing something that's so much more. How do we make this practical for our listeners, for each one of us to realize this is something that's not just for a select few. Yeah, I, I think your example is a great example of that, which is it's as soon as you begin to bring the spiritual into the reality, into the room, something already changes. And it changes for you, first of all, right? The way that you look at your patients, the way that yes. you look at medicine is different just because you're in interceding in that way. Right. And I would suggest that it's changing for them too, even if they couldn't articulate it. There's probably a peace that they experience because of your prayer. There's probably a sense that they're being seen and known as a person and cared for as a person, that somebody who's not praying may also care. But I, but I think there's a, there's a spiritual quality to that as you're invoking the Blessed Mother's presence. You know, there's a, there's a peace, there's a calmness. 
So I think you you are at some level practicing this in a very practical way. And, and I imagine Andrew is also, which we can hear about in a second. Um, the, the friends of mine who are doctors who are doing this at all kinds of different levels is once I had my healing experience, I began to look for doctors who were integrating more. And so whether it was uh, a, a, my physician, who was a strong Catholic doctor who, who prayed and who was faithful to the church, or my chiropractor, who would actually pray over my back before he adjusted me. And I could, we experienced noticeable difference when he prayed over my back versus when he just adjusted me. Um, my massage therapist, uh, I've had different massage therapists over the years, but my massage therapist who would pray before treatment. And one of my massage therapists was so gifted, he would just be led by the Holy Spirit to those areas of the body, just, a, just an intuitive knowledge and I could experience, I could feel the, the Holy Spirit as he worked. In fact, with all, all of these. I have friends of mine who are cancer doctors. Uh, one of them uh, didn't feel comfortable praying with his patients, but he set up a clinic two nights a week. And he invited his patients to come in the evening. And he had prayer team available, and he himself. And they would pray over, pray with, for physical healing, their cancer patients. And the research shows that when people are experiencing prayer in addition to medical treatment, they heal faster. There, there's, you know, some mixed results, but there's some really good research. Uh, Dr. Koenig from from Duke is one of them, one well-respected, yeah, well-respected doctor who has done some of these studies. So those are ways. But, but I have another friend that I hope you'll have on as a guest, uh, Dr. Tom Nelson. We, we've talked about him. And... Uh, I want him to tell his story, but he came to one of our men's retreats and we were praying for people for physical and emotional healing. And he was sitting there just so skeptical, like, <laughs> where is my stethoscope? You know, this is, this is wacko. How did I get myself involved in this on a men's retreat? And, uh, and yet he saw what was happening. He saw people, both the people praying and the people receiving something was happening and people were reporting healing taking place. They could feel changes in their bodies, you know. And so he got up and he prayed with a man who had a bad hip. Also turned out that this man had a sexual addiction. And when he prayed, he felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. First time he had ever done this in his life. He felt the presence of the Holy Spirit moving through his hand to, to heal that man's hip. And yet as a doctor, he's totally skeptical. He's totally, you know, analytical, and this is not possible, and why am I doing it? So he's, he's having this split experience between what was happening and what he was feeling inside. Well, at the end of the day, the guy gets up and begins to testify about his hip being healed when this person prayed with him, and he starts moving around and doing stuff that he couldn't do before. And he says, and then he confessed to the whole group, but I also had an addiction to pornography. And I believe somehow God touched me. I feel different. I feel different. And so I don't know what happened with that. But that experience led Dr. Tom to say, why didn't I ask for prayer for my ailment? And he, in the middle of the night, woke up and said, Jesus, would you pray? And he had a bad shoulder and a bad wrist. And he started to experience God's healing. Well, when that started to happen, he realized I need to incorporate. He's a family practice doctor. I need to incorporate this into my practice. And he started praying with those who are open. He didn't force on anybody, but he would ask people. He, first of all, began to listen more to the Holy Spirit, to what the person was sharing. And he was beginning to get discernment from God of where the roots of the ailments were. And he was seeing amazing things happen spiritually and emotionally and then physically uh, as he's doing it. But I'll let him tell most of the rest of the story, if you ever have them on, because it's it's really an incredible uh, transformation so, yeah, that so, I've watched. Bob, one of the things that I kind of shared in the opening segment was that I did the Called and Gifted uh, yeah. seminar, if yeah. you're familiar with that. And it turns out uh, I don't have the gift of healing. I'm supposed to be a doctor. I am a doctor. I went to school for a long time, and I think I do that well. Uh, is it hopeless for me, or how can I how can I get better at this, or, you know— yeah, ask I'd, for the gift. I'd like I'd like to 
to see some of the questions that you answered and how you answered them, because I would say you have a gift of healing, that's which is what led you to become a doctor. Now, whether that's a gift where you have confidence in that kind of spiritual healing is another matter. That's something that can grow. But I think you have a natural orientation and a desire for people to heal. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in the profession you're in. That's, so how that's do we get would... there? How do Andrew and I do this better? <laughs> how yeah. do other doctors listening do this better? Well, what what Dr. Tom did, he had a good friend who's a priest, who's a, who's a very uh, well-respected priest. The two of them came down to be trained in how to pray. Uh, and so they came for five days. And after that, after that training, they really took off. They, they just, both of them, both the priest and his uh, priestly ministry and Dr. Tom and his ministry, both began to in, incorporate and get confidence uh, in praying with people. Okay, so here's skeptical analytical, Bob. When, when I Great. hear that, it's like, are we twisting God's arm to do something? Because that's just not possible, but that's what it sounds like. How is it not that, twisting God's arm or saying some kind of magical words? Yeah, because uh, either that doesn't work or it's witchcraft when you're either using magical <laughs> words right, uh, right. and twisting people's arms. So that's not God. And right. if you run into that, if you run into that, run the other way. Right. Uh, but that's what it sounds what, like. You're learning a special way to pray. So how is it not that? It's just like when you went to become a doctor, you learn certain ways to treat. And so this is just not only physical ways of treating, but spiritual ways of treating. And, uh, you know, they're, they're treating the whole person. And so it's, first of all, it's a, it's a vision, you know, our healing the whole person, uh, conferences we have help create the vision, but the, the practical experiences is just people being able to step out and practice. And we, we start with very simple prayer. We start with just the kind of prayer we pray with each other. And, and we'll just say, what would you like prayer for? And they say, well, I'm having anxiety. Okay, can we just put a hand on your shoulder and pray that God would help bring peace where you have anxiety? And a one-minute prayer or a 30-second prayer. The person may or may not experience a change in their anxiety, but you as as a person praying have already stepped out in faith. Uh, or let's say in your practice, can we pray before I do this treatment with you? And can I just ask God, Jesus, Blessed Mother, Saint Joe, whoever, the Holy Spirit, can I just ask them if they would expedite this healing for you? And I just want to take a second and ask them, is there anything in that that feels magical or feel, it's just love. It's just, it's just bringing the love of God present to the person. You know, Bob, I think there's a lot of people who are hungry for this. And the, the reason I say that is because I, I see a lot of people who are searching, yeah. and they're searching beyond what I can offer. Is there a word of caution for our listeners to make sure that we don't end up looking into other Eastern-type healing things that are not based in our Catholic faith? Yeah, that's a great—yes, there is caution there. Uh, you know, some of— Unfortunately, some of the Catholic view of the person is more in some of the, the non-Catholic views outside, which looks at the person, body, and soul, but it's in a very Eastern way, and there's a distortion because it denies God. So it's, it's body-soul connected, but not God-connected a lot of the times, or God is the universe or something like that. And so it actually leads to more danger, more disconnection rather than to more connection. In the ultimate, I had a massage therapist at one point who was, I didn't know it, was practicing that. And I could just feel this darkness coming over me as she treated me. And when I became aware of that, it was like, no, this is not good. This is, this is, this is as kind as she is, it's something else. And as she would talk about where her spirituality was, it was like, no, this is totally different. This is inviting the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, you know, the catechism says it's the simplest prayer, come Holy Spirit. Right? We can all pray that. Come Holy Spirit. We're just welcoming God's presence into the room. Anytime we pray, we're welcoming God's presence. And we're welcoming the Holy Spirit. Uh, a Hail Mary is welcoming the Holy Spirit. Uh, a glory be to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is welcoming the Holy Spirit. And things begin to change even if they're not visible to our eyes just because God's presence is being invited. 
changes the nature of the treatment. So, Bob, I love one of the quotes in your book, um, Francis McNutt, who I believe had the gift of healing. He said, in no way do I conceive prayer for healing as denying the need for doctors, nurses, counselors, psychiatrists, or pharmacists. God works in all those ways to heal the sick. How hard was it for you to get over your own discomfort or your own lack of knowledge regarding the role of prayer or the role of supernatural life in healing your patients? Yeah, it it would probably have been very difficult without my own experience. Uh, but because of my own experience, I knew the reality of it. And then it was a hard thing to change the nature of how I saw practice. It was, it was like right. I had this mindset that this is, you know, my prayer life was over here and my practice was over here and I could pray beforehand, but I can't pray in it. It, it felt like it was unethical even. And it was only being around in fact, it was Francis and Judith McNutt. Judith McNutt was a therapist. They had a conference for therapists way back oh. when I was starting to do this. And I heard psychiatrists, I heard medical doctors, I heard therapists all talk about how they were doing this in their practice. And and I was with a group of people who were seeking in the same way, who were kind of on the same path. And, and all of us had said, well, maybe it is okay. Uh, and so what we did is we started praying with each other to get comfortable, you know, like, can, can we do this with each other? And that's how we do our training too, is let's pray with each other so we can practice here so that we get comfortable and we can see how God works and how he works through us. And then starting to venture out. And it was at first, uh, with a little bit of trepidation, is this okay? And let me emphasize this. It, It cannot be forced on anybody. It's, it's any kind of, treatment that's forced on somebody that isn't involving the person's consent is is not good. But I found what you were saying, Andrew, that people are so hungry. After a while, there weren't enough of us therapists in town for all the people who were hungering for this kind of treatment. Uh, they, they were all looking for it. They, and all of their friends would come and tell them what happened and how different it was from their other experiences of going to counseling. And so the, the word spread very quickly and, and I think that's what's happening. My friend, Dr. Tom, same thing. It's just people hear about it and they all say, this was such a beautiful experience. This was so healing. This is where I want to go. And, you know, this is where I want my friend and family to go. You know, there's kind of the flip side to follow up on Tom's point is that this is not taking the place of traditional medical care. Not One of the things I see sometimes, I get to care for a lot of people with, with a Christian worldview, which is a, a joy of mine. But sometimes I see folks putting off traditional medical care in the anticipation of a spiritual healing. Yeah, I think that's I struggle happened. with them. What, what should I do? Yeah, I, I think that's happened some in the kind of the Christian healing cults, if you will. You know, like if you get treatment, you have no faith. Yes. Uh, yes. And, it, and then you see people dying uh, and not getting treatment. And then the government gets involved. And, you know, the, the, the you know, that's. That, I think, is what Francis McNutt is warning against, is that kind of extreme. So if you have people, first of all, you have to respect people's choices, right? If, if yes. people say, I don't want that particular treatment, you have to respect that. It's part of respecting the person. But I think you can also give them resources to show that these things aren't in, incompatible. Again, faith and reason. That You know, the yes. Catholic Church believes in both, believes in science and believes in prayer. Uh, and you as physicians are uniquely trained, you as Catholic physicians are uniquely trained to integrate that at whatever level that, that you're able to and you feel called to. Wow. Yeah, you've awakened something. I, I wonder, yeah, what aren't what aren't we tapping into and how could we help more uh, doctors uh, and nurses tap into that? This is um, it's, it's actually kind of exciting. Yeah, it, it is exciting. And 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 any any movement with the Holy Spirit is a great adventure. It's like oh, I'm I know no what I want to control. say. <laughs> what this sounds like to me is what people who gravitate toward what calls what is called integrative medicine are really searching for. Yes, I think they yes. know there needs to. They talk about getting to the roots, but it's yep. actually different roots than they're talking about. Andrew, am I going off script too much, or does that make sense? No, I think that totally makes sense because people especially the group of people who have sought out lots of medical care and uh, nothing sticks and they're searching. 
um, I think a lot of people do carry around spiritual illness, and especially if they're not tied in with the Catholic faith or with a church community or with even good examples of having a spiritual relationship with God, um, they struggle. They, they know it's missing, but they struggle to find it and put their finger on it. Yeah, and when they can find a practitioner, whether it's a doctor or a physical therapist or a chiropractor, whether it's a therapist, when they can find somebody that does that integration, there's such a relief of the heart. If somebody cares about my whole person. So, Bob, in our last minute, minute and a half, what final things would you like our listeners to know? Um, just to pay attention to the areas where you're attracted and drawn and the places where the resistance is and listen to both of them. Listen, listen on both sides, like listen to the places of desire and bring those into prayer and ask, ask God, what do you want to show me about this desire? What do you want to show me about what you're stirring here in my heart? Cause that's probably the Holy spirit. And then the place of resistance what is this resistance? What are my fears? What what am I? What doesn't fit, sit right or f- feel right to me? And then bring that to prayer. You know, it may be because it's not right for you, or it may be because there's an area of, you know, comfort level of us being in control of the way we've always done it, and the fear of stepping out in a new direction. But it could be any number of things. Uh, but I, easiest I would way to get vocals. your books. Uh, easiest way to get website, your books on our website. Uh, jp2healingcenter.org and also your podcasts uh, same place uh, restoretheglorypodcast.com very good Bob Schutz thank you for being a blessing to us and our listeners here on Dr. Doctor thank you both and we are back with Dr. Doctor uh, after this both and episode <laughs> about healing and uh, Tom's got a, a medical trivia question about really old medical schools I didn't know this but now I do Yes. So what is this oldest known medical school which started training doctors in 1179 and is still training doctors today in 2022? Alumni not of the medical school include Copernicus, Thomas Beckett, and Pope Innocent III. What university is it? It was the University of what I used to think was pronounced Bologna when I was a kid. It's the University of Bologna, Bologna, Italy. Uh, that's just amazing. That's almost 850 years of training doctors in the healing arts. Yeah, that's really incredible. You think, I mean, we always think about, you know, the Hippocratic Oath and yeah, people have been doing medicine for a long time, but for that continuous, you know, school, really a formal school, that's impressive. Yeah. I mean, my medical school where I train hasn't even been around 50 years yet. (laughs) So a long way to go. Yeah, I was founded in like 1973 at Mayo Clinic. So, Andrew, there was a lot in that episode. What top three have you parsed out of it? Well, I I guess I would say number one in my mind is that all healing, and this is one of his thesis statements, all healing comes from God. And this is a a both-and episode. And so one of the things we tried to kind of painstakingly point out is that you can't reject traditional medicine um, in favor of spiritual healing only. And you can't reject spiritual healing in favor of traditional medicine only. If, if you do, you're really missing out. Um, it's a both and. and. And even traditional Western medicine, all the knowledge and gifts and skills we have really ultimately come from God. And so if you look at that, all healing comes from God You've got to open yourself to the spiritual aspects of healing as well. I'd say number two, done, pe- Andrew. People are uh, people are hungry for this. I, I mentioned it. I see people like this all the time, especially people who don't have the sacraments. We were talking offline about Chesterton. I think said he became Catholic <laughs> so that he could have his sins forgiven. Uh, yes. There's a lot of people who are hungry for that, um, and really all the sacraments. But confession, I think, is is a primary cause of many symptoms for people, a lack of confession. So people are hungry for it and it exists. Think about it in that way and try and incorporate it into your life. And I guess uh, number three would just be that word of caution. Most of the folks that I meet who are obviously hungry for this in my eyes are not going to Jesus for it. 
they're going to alternative therapies that are based in other spiritualities. Um, if it's not through Jesus, uh, it's not from God. It's, it's either fake or demonic. And so we would strongly encourage folks to totally avoid things of other spiritualities other than the Christian faith. And if you found yourself in those, I would take that to confession, and that might make you better to start right there. You know, I loved your number two. I had a computer programmer roommate in medical school when I was suffering something. His first question to me was, Tom, do you have unconfessed sin in your life? So somehow he knew all about that concept. Well yeah, done with the top three. there's something to it. There yeah, I, I hope people like it. This is different for us, but uh, I think we touched on something that people need to know about. Amen, Andrew. Thanks for listening with us to another episode of Dr. Doctor. You can find this and all old episodes on our website, drdoctor.org. Just click on episode archive at the top where you can search over 250 episodes by topic or guest. That's a lot of talking. We now even offer a video version, if if the talking is not enough, of our podcast. Just check on our YouTube link near the top of the drdoctor.org webpage. If you want to submit a question or an idea for an episode, click where it says submit a question. This is Dr. Tom McGovern. And Dr. Andrew Mullally, and we're signing off until your next dose of Dr. Doctor. The views expressed on Dr. Doctor do not necessarily represent those of your co-host. Have a question for our doctors or a topic you'd like to hear about? Call or text your questions to the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598 or fill out the form at drdoctor.org. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Doctor Show and tune in for new episodes every Friday. Plus, find all our past episodes at drdoctor.org. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.